Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. I'm about to be a dad uh, again in a couple, two, three weeks, something like that. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Um, we think we have the name, but can't tell you. Sorry about that. You just have to wait. See it on Facebook or something. Um, in about three weeks, and it's going to be a little girl again. It's almost like God was like, you got too much testosterone. I'm just going to have to chill you out. You know, you're going to have to be wearing pink skirts and drinking tea, you know, with a pinky out or something. I don't know. She's totally changed me. Can I get a witness, dads? The kids, they change you. It's just, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's awesome. Um, you know, um, I'm just not sure I can handle that again. I'm not sure I can handle another cute little girl coming up and saying, Dada. Um, it already, like, she'll, she's in the books, Betty Jane, and she'll just come up and hand me a book, and I'm just, how can I say no to that? Like, I mean, I've got 5,000 things to do, and it's like, okay, I'll read you this book for the 20th time in the last five minutes. I'll read it to you again. Um, but the word, the word father is, is powerful, isn't it? It's a powerful word. Um, you get kind of feel a little bit of that with this video, uh, the word father, dad, daddy. Um, you know, before there was the church, before um, there was a Hebrew people, before there was the Israelite nation, before there was temple worship, um, before, like I said, before the church was started, um, there were those, and the scripture tells us this way back in Genesis, it says, and the descendants of Enosh began to call upon the Lord began to call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? That's just, I mean, at our core, that's who we are. At our core. I mean, you, you, you know, sometimes we complicate things. We complicate faith. We, and, and there's just something beautifully simple about it. At our core, we are those who call out to our Father. That's what we, that's what we did. That's what salvation ultimately is, is calling out to a father for rescue. That's who we are. Um, you know, the disciples, when they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, what did he say? He say this, my father. My father. Of all, the, of all of the titles that God deserves, of all of the titles that are true, creator, sustainer, breather of stars, the God of galaxies, of all of these amazing, huge titles, what did he choose? He chose a tender title. Call me Father. Call me Dad. Our Father, our Dad, who is in heaven. You know, today I want, we just have a few minutes, I want to talk to you today about something so vital, and yet it's so simple. Something so familiar, and, and yet that is specifically the danger. I want our time together as we look at the Word together to not just be, we leave with more information about God. My prayer, my honest prayer for myself and for you is that we would have communion with God in these moments together. And that we would leave changed. 
That's my prayer. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you. I pray that by his grace, we can experience this. So can we, will you join me in praying this for yourself and for your brother and sister sitting beside you and for me? Can we pray that together? Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, revered, respected be your name. I pray that your kingdom would come in my life in a bigger way today, in our lives in a bigger way. I pray that your will would be done in the crevices of our Monday to Sunday, the the crevices of our life, the crevices of our heart, that your kingdom would come, that your will be done. Let it be done in our hearts in the exact same way and with the same freedom that you have in heaven. Lord, thank you for the privilege of opening your word together. I pray you would speak to us and change us. I pray for the person in this room today who has not seen you as a dad, maybe ever, or in a very long time. Lord, would you, would you stir their hearts today? Lord, would you show yourself, would you reveal yourself as a good father today. Do this in the name of Jesus and in the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. And we all said together. You know, in my life, prayer has contended, I would almost say even with the word of God, in stirring my affections for Jesus, in stirring my heart up for Christ. Um, The way God answers prayer As a kid, we all sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that's, and that's been true for me. I mean, as I've opened the word of God, I, he's, there's, there's been so many times that I'll see something about the Lord or he'll reveal something and I'm like, yes. And I'm like, I see him in a new and fresh way. And I'm like, I can't believe that. He loves me that much. Are you stinking kidding me? He loves me that much. And, and so, yes, I, I will sing that song and I will believe that, that Jesus loves me so because the Bible tells me so. But I got to tell you, the, lo- the longer I've been on this journey with the Lord, the longer I've walked with Jesus Christ, I can say, Jesus loves me, this I know, because of the way he answers my prayers, the way I've seen him move, because he shows me so, because he shows me so. You know, and I'm just wondering, like, is, is there any way that I can communicate with you guys, you know, what we've, what we've had for the last 28 years of walking with the Lord? You know, is there, is there how do I communicate such a personal journey of, of God sustaining and speaking in, in my life over these years? You know, I, I, want, I, want, I want other people, I want you to know the love that's possible to have with the Lord. I want you to know that. I want everyone, I want anyone who hasn't tasted that to know that. How can I share what we've had together? I mean, it's unbelievable the way God, the way God answers prayer. I just, I wonder, like, does he love everybody this way? 
<laughs> you ever wonder that? It's just, it's, so, it's such a personal and beautiful thing, you know. And um, I mean, even silly little things, like little prayers. Like, I mean, for, for like a year and a half, I was praying for a place to live. And, and I was like, well, God, I need it to be near here and I need it to be near there. And it was exactly 2.8 miles from here and there. I mean, just simple little things like that. You know, maybe you've prayed for some silly things and you're like, I thought that was like way below anything he would even entertain. You know, can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah. anybody had any small prayers answered? And you're like, well, that's insane. That's awesome. Um, you know, and, uh, but, but even some big things. I was trying to think of an example of a, of, of a big prayer. And this one, this one's just one of the most mind-blowing of my life. So, um, I've told you guys before, I worked some with Samaritan's Purse. And right after Typhoon Haiyan came through the Philippines, it was called Hurricane Yolanda as well. Anybody remember that? Came through, uh, killed over 10,000 people. Uh, it was a huge, massive hurricane that came through. And, um, and we were there like the next... Actually, I was in the air on my way to the Philippines while the hurricane was hitting and landed there. And so I get to the island, and here I am, you know, um, this white dude amongst Philippines. We're in one of the... I mean, there's like no, no white people every, anywhere, uh, which I find enjoyable. This is nice. But um, anyway, it's just, you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay. And, you know, you just feel about this big, you know. And you're like, God, I'm here. I'm available. I feel useless, <laughs> you know, what do you do, you know, and I'm just praying, and I'm, I'm walking back one day to my little, uh, my little hut that I was staying in, and, uh, and I, there's just kids everywhere, I, I, Philippines has to be towards the top of, like, most breeding peoples in the world, like, I mean, I mean, everywhere, you're like, is there any adults, I mean, it, it really, I'm, I'm not exaggerating for the sake of being funny, like, I mean, it looks like it's maybe 50 to 1, like, you'll see 50 kids, there's an adult, 50 kids, there's an adult, and you're just like, they're all over the place all the time, and so I'm seeing these kids everywhere, and I'm walking back, and I see this one, and he's, his face is very disfigured, and uh, he had, it was one of the most intense cleft lip pal, I mean, he, he, he couldn't close the front of his face, and uh, I just remember thinking, like, man. Like, that kid's going to have a hard life, you know, sickness, not to mention, I mean, kids can be cruel, I'm sure, in every culture, you know, I mean, make it be made fun of, but um, it was just so sad, and so I asked them their names, you know, there was like 10 of them right there, and, uh, and as I'm walking back, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, what, what can I do? Like, I want to help, but what can I do? So I get on Facebook, right, we had a little satellite thing, we get on the internet out there, and um, it just, okay, I'm building up to this. I'm, I don't want to elaborate too long. But so um, I get on Facebook, and it just so happens in my news feed, never even knew I was friends with this person, never uh, have seen their stuff in my news feed ever before. But um, we graduated uh, in the same, she was like a few classes down from me at a small Christian school. And I mean small, I had seven people in my graduating class. So it was small. So anyway, so I see on there, and she is in the Philippines. And she happens to be working in Manila with a cleft lip palate Christian organization. Right? So I send her a message. And she's like, we just had a kid lined up for next week who just got sick. And we have an opening and everything's paid for. Can they fly, can we, can they fly to Manila? I'm like, this is amazing. How in the doo-doo am I going to find this kid? Like, I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, I barely I can barely remember what he looks. I mean, he had that distinguishing feature, but, you know, I mean, you just see these little brown heads just running all over the place, and it's like, how do I find them? So I'm driving uh, down the road, and again, you got to picture this, just thousands of kids everywhere, right? The first kid I stop and ask is his brother, right? And he's like, follow me, and leads me way back into this maze of huts, 
And there he is with his parents. Then I had to convince him I wasn't like a horrible, like, you know, child slave trafficker or something. You know, I'm like, and it was just so happened that we had given their family, Samaritan's Purse had given their family uh, food and had hired the husband. And so they knew us. Um, That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's like, I think, wasn't it Mother Teresa that said, when I pray, coincidences happen? You know, it's when, when we pray, God moves. And so I, ju- I just share that story. Like, we, we serve a God who listens. God listens. God answers. You know, when you look at the scripture, isn't that what differentiates us from the rest of the world? Right? God listens to us. Do you remember the story of Elijah? Remember the prophets of Baal? Cutting themselves and like, he's like, whoever's God, who, whoever's God is true. We'll consume this, we'll consume this fire, uh, this altar with the sacrifice with fire. And you remember they're cutting themselves and like Elijah, you know, it's a little funny. He's just like, maybe he's on the John, you know, remember that part? And, uh, and, and so they didn't, and then God, what? God listened. God consumed the, with fire the sacrifice after he had like doused it with, with water. He's a God who listens. And then Elijah said, let me show you the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God who answers. He's a God who listens. How many of you have seen God answer prayer that you've prayed? How many of you have seen God answer prayer that you've prayed for lost people? Can, I get a, can we give God some credit? Can we give him some glory? He's a God who listens. He's a God who answers. But how often do we miss it? How often do I, Brady Rose, and and I feel like brothers and sisters here, we we struggle. How often do we so easily slide into skepticism? And before you know it, that cynical part of our heart is reigning. And we begin to justify, well, maybe it just so happened. Well, well, well. And we're just disbelieving and taking credit from God that he is a God who hears us. And so there's a few verses I want us to look at together today. And then we're going to close. If you could turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and I apologize for this not being on the screen. I didn't email it in. So that's no one's fault but mine. But uh, download an app real quick. All right, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, check this out, chapter 2. This is the express teaching of this passage. It's missional praying or praying for the lost. Paul says to Timothy, to the church at Ephesus, First of all then, I urge that supplications, that's praying for God, asking requests of God, Prayers, intercessions, interceding for another person, praying in their stead, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, how crazy is that? How many of y'all have actually thanked God for things that other people get? Lord, thank you so much for giving so-and-so that promotion. I'm just saying it's a rare thing, right? So he's saying, I urge you. I urge you to do this. And then he goes on, look at verse 8. He says, and I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting up holy hands. This is the word of the Lord. The goal of the church, just like Israel before it, is to reach the world with the saving truth of God. I've heard people say wrongfully that, that the Bible doesn't encourage this type of prayer. The Bible doesn't encourage praying for the lost. And they're wrong. So let's look at it together. The Bible gives us several examples of prayer for those outside salvation. This isn't like an exhaustive list, but I'm going to try to go through here real fast. Numbers 14, Moses 
prayed for Israel. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of this people. Samuel the prophet also prayed for Israel's salvation in 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 5. It says, if you return to the Lord, this is what Samuel's saying, with all your heart, remove the foreign gods, direct your hearts toward the Lord, serve him alone, he will deliver you. It says, then Samuel said, gather all the people at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Later in Samuel, after rebuking them for demanding a king, he said, far be it for me that I should sin in failing to pray for you. The book of Jeremiah, we see Jeremiah habitually interceding for people. Are you guys tracking with me? Say, "Uh uh-huh. Daniel prayed for God's forgiveness for his people. He said, for thy sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open the eyes. Open their, open their eyes to see, their ears to hear. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and take action. These are examples of people praying for the lost in Scripture. Okay, just a couple more. Stephen, check this out. While being stoned to death, prayed what amounted to a prayer for his execution or salvation, that God would not hold it to their account. Paul had a deep desire for the salvation of fellow Israelites. He said that he wished he could be accursed that he would go to hell, that his friends and his fellow Israelites would go to heaven. He said, my deep concern. And then he says again in Romans 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for their salvation. So the Bible clearly urges us to pray for the lost. That's what we are to do. This is good and it pleases the Lord. This is what we see in 1 Timothy. He urged, this is the express teaching. And this is the heart of Christ. He feels so intensely about prayer. Y'all remember this when Jesus just went, went like, uh, I don't want to say crazy, but I mean, he flipped out, right? He flipped some tables. He, right, because they were turning his house into a house of trade. He was turning his house into a secular market. He said, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a place of thieves. God's word tells us in 1 Timothy 1.7, you desire to teach, but you don't even know what you're talking about. You're being crazy exclusive. He said, the atmosphere of my father's house is supposed to be prayer. Guys, if there's an aroma about our lives, if there's something where someone hangs out with you and hangs out with me, the smell that we should give off is a smell of prayer. The aroma that we should give off is an aroma of people who call out to Father God for help. That's, that's what people should feel. That's what people should sense. That the atmosphere of this place, of Church United, is prayer. Aroma of people coming with petition and supplication and intercession. And the reason Paul's addressing this here with this Ephesian church is because they had made it exclusive. You know, God bless us for and no more. You know, he, they had made it a club about just a certain select people. And he's saying, you've made it a market. The thing that's supposed to distinguish Christians, God's people, is the aroma, the atmosphere of prayer. Some of you might say, well, Brady, that's just not my style. That's just not the way I was, that was brought up. That's just not, you know, it's not my culture. I don't care what your culture style is. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Preaching. Yes, but he didn't say my house shall be called a house of preaching. Worship, 
Worship music? Yes, but he didn't say, my house shall be called a house of music. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen? Have you ever noticed that the Christian church was born not during a concert, not during a strategy session. It was born when people were praying. The church was born when people were praying. Have you ever noticed that in the second chapter of Acts, they were doing nothing but waiting on the Lord. Acts chapter 2, when the church was literally born right there at Pentecost, they were waiting and they were praying. And they were just, they were sitting there and they were praying and worshiping and God was shaping. And then you see God birth the church. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In Acts chapter 4, remember when Peter was thrown in, into jail. Peter and John were arrested for preaching and they're slapped around, they're beaten. They're set, don't preach about Christ anymore. What do they do? They went to the Supreme Court, man. They talked about how they were just unjustly beaten. Now, what did they do? They went back and they started a prayer rally. And they started praying. And they started praying for boldness. They started praying for boldness. He says, Behold, O God, look how they're threatening us, O God. Lord, we lift our voices to you, O God. Behold their threats and give your servants boldness that we might preach in the name of Jesus. And it says that the place that they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God and with boldness. Not hate. Boldness. There's a difference. They say, We must obey God rather than men. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I urge that prayer be made for all people. They just had this instinct. I mean, you look in the scriptures, it's like they're threatened. They pray. They're persecuted. They pray. They're intimidated. They pray. When they're challenged, they pray. When they're in trouble, they pray. They had this instinct. You know, you look at the prayer of the disciples. What did they ask? They said, God, teach us how to manage. You know, God, teach us how to preach like you. Now, God calls preaching. Compared to the glories of God, preaching, he says, is foolishness. It's, it, it can't scratch the surface of the glory of God, but it's what we have, right? Well, what did they ask? They said, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach us to pray. In fact, this, this, this prayer, this, this thing called prayer is so unique and so deep that when Paul was first converted, remember we, we've all heard the story of Paul. He's persecuting Christians in charge of many deaths. And you remember when, when God told Ananias, this is right after Paul was saved, he told Ananias, I want you to go and I want you to pray for that guy. Ananias is like, ah. Uh, so I can just pray from here, probably. You know, you can, you can hear that. You know, he, he had to be you know, pretty afraid. Um, and Jesus said, as if it was proof that everything had changed. He says, no, Ananias, you can go for behold, he prays. You can go now because he's in that room. He's blind now. And he's actually praying for the first time in his life. He's offering a prayer as if that was the ultimate sign that someone was the real deal with God. Behold, he prays. And then Paul, when he writes Timothy on how to do God's work, you know, Timothy was Paul's disciple in the faith. He mentored him, right? He was his Randy Spencer. 
know what I'm saying? He trained him up how to be a minister in the church of God. And he's writing to this church, Ephesus, which, you know, bless its heart. You know, in the South, you can say bless its heart. You can say just about anything. Bless his heart. He's an idiot. You know, just, just start out with bless his heart. It doesn't sound as bad. But, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's praying for this church. And he's like, Timothy, okay, so if Ephesus, the church at Ephesus was starting to get mad exclusive. You know, this is just my guys' eyes, you know. Good luck to you guys. Man, we got something good going on. You know, that's why, you know, I, I know some of you might hate on me. I know you love country music, but I mean, uh, just, just me and God, you know what I'm saying? That's just not how God set it up. That's not how God had set it up. God set it up, it's a family and God, right? We need family. You cannot be the Christian that God has raised you up to be. You can't have the prayer life that God has arranged for you to have without this family, without the family of faith. That's what we're called. This is part of your sanctification. This is part of I mean, I, I can tell you this just since being married, like, and, and Renita is an easy person to be married with, you know what I'm saying? She's awesome. But um, how many of y'all know proximity, it reveals how jacked up your heart is? It, it does. And, and having kids, it's like the next level. It's like, oh, you think, you, you think you're doing good with a wife there? Let me, give you a, let me give you a kid, you know? And it's just like, man, I'm one jacked up bro. I am a selfish dude, you know? You just, it just reveals more and more. And we need the family of God. But see, they were becoming... Mad exclusive, be like Church United saying, Jesus is for us, and like, you know, God bless the rest of y'all, but whatever, this is just for us. And he's just like, that is not, that is not what it is. Jesus is not exclusive. Jesus is for everybody. And that's what, that's what Paul told this church. He told Timothy, he said, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg you. This is, this is coming from a man of God, the man that planted this church. He's like, I urge you. Pray for everybody. Supplicate for everybody. Intercede for everybody. That means you pray for a president whether you like him or can't stand him. You pray for him. And that's what he says. He, pray, he says you pray for kings. This was, this was really close to the time of some really messed up kings. This is, this is during the time of a lot of persecution. People being killed by kings. And he's saying you pray for your king. You pray for everybody, those who are in authority. You pray for your brother and sister. You pray for the Muslim. You pray for the atheist. You pray for the fundamentalist who is, is focused on the rules of God and has lost sight of God. You pray for them. We have no permission to not pray for anybody. He says, I urge you, church, this is for you. This is for me this morning. I urge you, pray for the lost. Do whatever you have to do. Make a prayer list. Tattoo it on your forearm. Although when they're saved, I mean, you know, I have to go back every time. Could get expensive. But write it down. You know, write down who you're praying for. Put, put it in front of your eyes. See, the Lord, he knows we're weak. He knows we forget. That's why the Old Testament's like, when God does something, uh, put something to remember. A rock of remembrance. Me and Renita have been talking about this. Just God's provision. We're like, we think we're going to go buy a concrete eagle. Y'all seen those little concrete store things? Nobody? You know, they have some that are weird, some that it's like, why would anyone want that in their yard? But we're thinking about getting an eagle for the uh, waiting upon the Lord, right? Because why? Because we forget. We forget, and you forget if you don't write down who you're praying for. You'll forget to thank God when he saves that person. You'll, be, you'll forget to thank God for that provision. You know, that's why he says, like, write it on your doorposts. 
Write it on your hands. Write it, you know, put a rock in the corner of your yard. That way when your kid says, Daddy, why'd you buy that stupid looking rock there? Well, I'm glad you asked because that represents when God did this for our family. How many of y'all done that? Y'all ever bought anything that's, you know, that stuff's important. This is stuff that God says to remember that I am a God who answers prayer and to remind us that we're praying for the lost. We're praying for those who need God. Amen? Somebody say, "Uh uh-huh, if you're with me. Somebody say, amen. Amen. I say, holla. You say, holla. 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 That's what I'm saying. Let's pray for the lost. Let's pray for the world. Let's pray for our leaders. He says, I urge you. You need to hear that from Paul today. You need to hear that from the word of God. God's inerrant word. He's saying to you. This is for you today, church. Church just means Christians. He's talking to you. He says, I urge you, you, you. Specifically, on this, I urge you intercede, supplicate, give thanksgiving, pray for the lost. I urge you. And I urge you today as God's ambassador, as, as, as the messed up dude who's just up here reading from the word, right? I urge you, do what it takes in your life. You know your life. You know what it takes for you not to forget things. My, again, my prayer is that we wouldn't leave here having heard something and more information but we would leave here with some tangible obedience, right? How many of y'all would love for your kids, dads? How many of you love when your kids are inspired by what you say and walk around and walk and just keep doing it? And then you turn around, and you're like, I told you to, I told you to wash the dishes. That is such an inspirational message. That is just that really touches me. And he looks at his brother. Didn't he do a great job sharing why we wash dishes? And, I mean, the point, the objective to washing and having clean dishes. I mean, let's not forget the mission, right? We're, this, clean dishes, they make a difference in your life. And when people come over, clean dishes, right? Do you see how silly it is for us to come together and read the word and say, man, great message. Oh, that was inspirational. Oh, I got goosebumps. That was so, Lord, thank you for that for that talk from, from, from the word. Thank you. And leave and don't obey. We've missed the whole point. And James says it's just like going up to a mirror and you got boogers and hair all over the place and you're like, all right, here we go. And you just walk away and nothing changes. He's saying that's exactly what it's like. So my friends, I, I don't know what the Lord is doing. Your heart. My prayer leading up this is that the spirit of God, see, I can't speak to your heart. I can read God's word. I can expound upon the word, but speaking to your heart, that's the Holy Spirit's territory. I'm not a manipulator. I'm not a convincer. I'm a proclaimer. And this is the word of God. This is his word for us today. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in your heart right now? What's he stirring? Has he brought anyone to mind? Has he brought anyone to your heart to pray for?